range of fruit and veggies in market stalls has expanded so much in recent decades. Fruits I never saw when I was growing up, which admittedly was in regional Victoria in the 70s. So I think the most exotic thing we had was that time Dad brought home a coconut and we all had a crack at opening it with a hatchet. Fun times. These days you can get everything from lychees to dragon fruit to lingonberries, depending where you live. How do stores decide what the hot new fruit is, what will sell? And for us at home, how can we start adding something a bit different to our plates if it's something we haven't tried before? Tan Trung is a second generation fruiterer steeped in the industry as a buyer and a seller and the author of a book called Don't Buy Fruit and Veg Without Me. Tan, welcome back to Life Matters. Thank you for having me. I love the title of the book. And <laughs> as I was reading up on jackfruit and durian and mangosteen, I was like, yeah, this is a true title because <laughs> there's no way I would know how to judge these things. But at first, I guess, you know, we should talk about how fruit finds its way into the market because shelf space is precious, isn't it? It is. And, you know, um, I think as our community has become more diverse, we've been able to offer Aussies more variety because previously when we didn't have as much diverse community out there, um, we wouldn't know what to do with a lot of these fruits. So given we have this wave of migration and the demand for tropical fruits and Asian veg and all kinds of different types of produce, um, you know, fruit stores have been able to offer us more variety. I think I I first learned to recognise a dragon fruit, for example, <laughs> in my 30s, which is embarrassing, but I still wouldn't know how to get into it. I mean, they're those beautiful little kind of pink things with little arms, aren't they? They're so gorgeous. Are they nice to eat? They are. Well, they're, they're from a cacti. So, I mean, I think most Aussies might be more aware of prickly pear. It grows in a very similar fashion. Um, and it's a excellent decorative fruit. So if you put it in a fruit salad, it's just going to make everything pop. And certainly there's two varieties. There's, there's a white dragon fruit and there's a red dragon fruit. And both, if you put them in a fruit salad, it's going to make it just so, that extra bougie. And it doesn't even really cost that much. Now, the red is sweeter than the white. But, you know, I'm so glad that even though you were in your 30s, you took the chance to buy something that you were unfamiliar with and give it a go. And I think, you know, if we just, we do that all the time when we walk through the aisles in the supermarkets or, you know, the food stores. But I think that, you know, we shouldn't be scared of trying something different, certainly fruit and veg. Well, and let's talk about jackfruit because uh, lots of people might have started to see it turn up on um, vegan restaurant mm -hmm. menus, for example, and we often see it in cans. Can you get it fresh too? You definitely can. And there are more and more Australian growers growing jackfruit trees up in Northern Territory and Queensland, and it is more readily available. Now, back to the first question about where can you purchase all of these different types of fruits that are now becoming more available? The supermarkets find it a bit harder to range because they have statewide ranging and their system doesn't allow for it, or it's not as easy. But where there are communities such as Indian communities or Vietnamese communities or Thai communities that really love these kinds of produce, you can find them. Now, across all the states in Australia, there are markets, there are certain suburbs where, you know, there are there's a really strong ethnic group. Um, and, you know, those fruit stores will most likely stock or range those things. And certainly green jackfruit is something that you can find now in the stores, which you can make a whole bunch of recipes in my book. I've got uh, pulled jackfruit burgers and Sri Lankan cutlets, which kind of like arancini balls. Um, and then also there's ways in which you can prevent food waste, which is boiling the seeds, which I used to do with my mum. And it tastes kind of like a chestnut with a cashew flavour. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about getting into the jackfruit with your mum. It sounds like a whole enterprise in itself. Yeah, I, I used to – well, firstly, we used to – my dad used to bring in the jackfruit because I'm – 
a family of fruiterers. And we used to eat the arils, which is that golden, almost bubblegum-like flavour, orange flesh. But then you're left with the seeds. And I used to be up all night cutting, kind of like on the floor with my mum, cutting up these seeds and we'd boil them and then we'd eat them. Now, breaking down a jackfruit is the most difficult thing about a jackfruit. It is the most inconvenient fruit. Now, just to put an example, a blueberry can weigh about two grams and a jackfruit can weigh 10,000 times heavier. It can weigh 20 to 50 kilograms. So, Breaking it down can be difficult. There are preparation steps in my book, things like making sure you oil the knife because there's sap that comes out of it. But as you mentioned, you can find um, jackfruit in cans, which is really convenient. I'm almost certain you can find it in the supermarkets these days and you can whip up something really delicious. Well, and the, the pulled jackfruit recipe, mm-hmm. it looks a lot like pulled pork. You put it yeah. in a burger in, in the book. It's fantastic. We're speaking with Tan Trong. The book is called Don't Buy Fruit and Veg Without Me. It's got some great recipes in there as well. And the step-by-step photo-based uh, plans of how to hack into a jackfruit. <laughs> Very useful. How does the uh, pre-packed version of jackfruit compare to the fresh ver- version when we're talking about taste and texture? Yeah, so you can either get it frozen or in a can. Now, in the can, it's brined. So I would just kind of like wash it out because that brining solution obviously takes away a bit of the flavour. But the thing that you want to use jackfruit for is the texture. So it resembles pulled pork. So all those strands, those fibres that peel away when you slowly cook a pork, um, you get that same texture in a jackfruit but you get none of the flavour. So that's what you have to build. You build it with sauce. I usually use smoke uh, liquid, which is like a secret tip hack. Um, <laughs> a lot of barbecue sauce, a lot of seasoning. But that's actually what you find um, when, when you actually use jackfruit. You realise that that flavour of pork is missing, but you can build it with other types of proteins, mushrooms, um, all kinds of other things that you'd like to put in your own burger or, you know, if you'd like to use it for a different dish with rice or whatnot. Yeah, so just like tofu, you just Mm -hmm. add on the things. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tyne, you've been supporting a research project into jackfruit. Do you think we could see it become a a bigger part of the Australian diet in the future? Uh, The the issue with jackfruit is its inconvenience. And, you know, we've just talked about the preparation of it being quite difficult. But if you think back, if you think back down the supply chain, growers have to pick a jackfruit. They weigh 15 to 50 kilos. I mean, most people would think that a watermelon is heavy between 5 to 10. You're thinking about an oblong, awkward-shaped thing that's hanging off a tree. It's really stressful on backs. Um, And then also, once it gets to a fruit store, you need somebody who has the skill and the art to break it down so that, you know, you might have it in a 500 gram or a one kilo pack. And so it becomes really difficult. And they're the kinds of things that the research project is trying to address, trying to solve, trying to figure out ways in which we can um, make a, uh, I guess, a plan so that uh, jackfruit can be more successful in our society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching the, the looking at the photos in your book, and, and you have to like prize the nuts mm. out from the uh, uh, the flesh. It's yeah, it's a bit of a. But might, might I say something? You know, happiness. You know, there are steps to make you happy, and it makes me very happy when I see people eating jackfruit. When people are trying different fruits, um, and um, you know that there's there's something about the first time that you have a fruit, and um, whether it's good or bad, it's an experience that you don't forget. And I think we. We forget that, you know, life is about different experiences and we've got such a range here in Australia. We are so blessed to have the variety. And that brings us to the durian, which some Mm -hmm. people call the king of fruit, because I I think the experience uh, can vary for a lot of people. Uh It does have a strong smell. Are we thinking about it in the wrong way? 
I certainly think so. And, you know, it's really personal to me. Um, durian is one of my favourite fruits um, and it's often given a really terrible rap. I mean, you know, articles from the New York Times saying that it's disgusting or, you know, they're, they're things that are hurtful. I mean, I talk about how blue cheese is never seen as disgusting and at worst it's probably described as challenging. But because during, it comes from France rather yeah. than Asia. Is that what's going on here? There is a bit of, uh, you know, food media racism, you could, you could say. But I think that it's systemic. And the only way that we can break through this is by, um, by having somebody to talk about it in the way that, you know, the communities that love it do. And I think we just we haven't had those voices out there before. And for me, you know, I love durian. I love the smell and I love the flavour. My wife doesn't like the smell, but she loves the flavour. But I think the way that we describe it can either elevate it or we can really put it down. And for something that is well beyond a fruit, I mean, a durian, for, for, for those who have never seen one, it literally looks like a Bowser shell. It looks like something that, you know, you'd be frightened to even <laughs> approach because you can smell it before you get to it. But then even trying to pry it open, it is food theatre unlike anything else. It demands your attention. And so when, you know, for me and my family and even my kids, we all sit around the durian, we slowly pry it open. And yesterday I had one with the kids and we had two. One of them was good and one of them was bad. And it was sad when they saw it was bad. But then when we opened the other one and it was good, it was this theatre of, well, it's this spiky shell. We can smell it. We open it up and we all just silently eat it because we only can really, eat, you know, eat one or two pieces. Um, but it is the flavour, the aroma, the intensity. It's unlike any other fruit. So if anybody out there is a bit, you know, iffy about, you know, durian and its smell, just think that there are other people that love blue cheese and others that, you know, don't like it and do like it. And so durian is the same. And so I would say, please just think about it as a as something that you may or may not like. Yep. It's a, it, there is complexity <laughs> to it and it's an experience. It's not just about, yeah, plucking a fruit immediately up and chomping into it. Uh, Mangosteen, we should finish up with Tan because mm -hmm. uh, that is one of your favourites, I understand. Why is that? Because it's got something that I call sweet umami. And that's when you open it and you eat it, you can't stop eating it. And so when you get that, that that for me is the intensity of sourness and sweetness combined together and the balance of the two. Now, mangosteens are really expensive. They are much cheaper in Asia, um, but it's just because we don't really grow it here in Australia. But to, in order to find a good one, you want to look for one that has a dark purple colour because that's very mature. But more importantly, you want to give it a gentle nudge. And if it gives a little bit, then it's ripe. But if it's hard, it's actually either not ripe or it's gone bad, Ooh. right? Because it dehydrates really fast. So that's I can't my believe tip. as a, a fruiterer's son, you're saying go up to the mangosteen and give it a gentle squeeze. Yeah. There must be so many people who have ruined mangosteens like that way. Well, I mean, I, I, with the mangosteen, it's got a quite thick shell, right? The, the shell is probably, you know, can be one centimetre, probably five mil to six mil. So unlike an avocado, which is paper thin, you know, you're not yeah. going to damage the internal flesh.
And it looks like a, a kind of very large blueberry, doesn't it? It's this beautiful dark purple round thing with this lovely floral kind of top yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. The petals are really beautiful, like a strawberry. It's called the calyx. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it's purple, it's bright green. And, yeah, it more tips in my book on not just jackfruits and mangosteens and other tropical fruit, but, you know, a lot of other veg that you may or may not be aware of. So, you know, recipes and tips to prepare and purchase. Well, the mangosteen, we do have time to talk about it. Okay. Do you just kind of cut a, a circle around the the middle of it and, and hive the top and bottom off? Is that how you get in? Well, there's, there's plenty of ways that you can do it. Um, my way is a cheeky way where you, you basically grab it within your two palms and you clasp it and you pop it and it creates a crack and then you just break it open. But the, the easy way to do it is where the stem is, you push that down and what that does is it breaks the thread core in the middle. Think about an orange or a mandarin. It breaks that thought, uh, core and then you rip out the stem and then you just break it open because basically it's it's lost its internal spine, if you will. So it's very easy to open. Wow. So you can de-spine it like a horror movie. <laughs> you can squash its little waistline like That's a packet right. of chips. <laughs> what does it taste like, Tan? Can you compare it to something that people might recognise if they haven't had a mangosteen before? Yeah. It looks like a garlic clove. Um, it has the flavour of a cherry. So sourness and sweetness. I would say that cherries have a more intense sourness. Um, but mangosteens has this beautiful, sour, sweet and tang. So that tang get, brings you back. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's my explanation for a mangosteen. Because some fruits are like they're too sweet and you can't have more than two or three. Mm-hmm. What's it like with a mangosteen? Can you stuff them in all night? There is no person in the world that I have ever met that doesn't like mangosteen. It is, it is the favourite. It's like chocolate. It's unbeatable. So if you've never had a mangosteen... Um, you definitely have to go out and get one. So you were saying that they're quite expensive. Do we not grow them here? We grow a little bit in Queensland, only in Queensland, and it is only available over the the next coming months. But, you know, if you do travel throughout Asia, it is much more readily available. Or if you do see it in the markets, just buy one or two, you know. Like, you don't need to buy a whole bag. That'll that'll set you back, you know, $10, $20. But, you know, buying a few pieces will cost you a coffee, and it's a worthwhile experience. I saw a really interesting article on the ABC News site today by a melon grower in uh, far north Queensland who was saying, look, everyone in Bowen in that region is doing it really tough at the moment mm-hmm. because the cost of living crisis means people are spending $6 on a coffee mm. but not on a melon. How do you approach that, Tan? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's the perspective of food is, I would say, somewhat warped, right? We spend so little money on veg but we spend a lot of money on other things like coffee. And, um, you know, there was a there was a great fruiter in Sydney that recently did um, $30 worth of veg and you literally got a whole box of veg. But, you know, if you literally bought one steak, it would be the same as, you know, two or three kilograms of vegetables. Now, I know we love our meat, um, but at the same time, we could eat healthy, um, we could save money, um, and we could have a much more diverse gut. So I'm not going to talk about dietetics or anything like that. But, you know, I, I hope that people, whether it's my book or other books, you know, vegetables are actually really um, uh, not worthwhile, but good valued in Australia. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get a mangosteen <laughs> and I'm going to think differently about melons versus coffees, but yeah. I'm still having the coffee. Tan, lovely to talk to you again. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Hilary. Tan Trung, author of Don't Buy Fruit and Veg Without Me and lots of fantastic information in there about how to access these amazing uh, bits of produce and what they taste like and how you can prepare them. 
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.